So in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, um, that's where we'll start in just a moment. This morning I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, this is the last Sunday for this year. It's been a weird year, strange year, um, but a good year. And I want to say, it, or for us in this room anyway, it, I don't feel like it ever took us off guard though. Like, it seemed like we were always prepared. It was like Abba was always telling us one week at a time what we needed to know for the next next day, right? For the next week. It was like he was always giving us the manna, right? He is the manna, right? He said he is that bread of life. He is that manna to give us. Remember the Old Testament, he gave them just a manna, enough manna to use that they needed, Right? And so he gave us that. Um, as I was thinking about this past year, he gave us what we needed, right? Um, right before um, we were shut down, he was already leading us into intimacy with him and showing us how to get in that secret place with him um, because he knew we were going to need it. He knew that um, um, to teach us not to focus on the things around us or our circumstances or what's going on, um, but the focus shifted to him, right? Um, and then he just took us through that whole little journey of just, it was never um, never in chaos. We were never like, what are we going to do? Um, it was never any of that. You know, we hear a lot of people talking about that, but it was never that for us. Um, and so I'm just thankful for that, right? Um, and it's still chaotic, and um, it's still chaos in this world. There's still decisions that have to be made. There's still things every day that we fight. But our war is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against the principalities, the rulers, and darkness of this world. So we've got to learn how to fight, number one. First, we've got to learn how to be in intimacy. And from a place of intimacy comes a place of authority. So if we go out there trying to throw our authority around, not knowing Abba and intimacy, we're going to look like the seven sons of Sceva and run off naked. And I don't think we want to do that. Right? So, just thinking about over the past year, this, if I could culminate, I'm trying to, in my sermon today, with what we're going to talk about today, was I wanted to kind of recap some highlights from this past year, but also point us to the future. Okay? So, I wanted to tie that in together. One of the passages, um, the passage, half of the passage that we're going to read in just a moment. We already read just a few weeks ago. We've studied it before many times. Um, but then we're going to go on into the rest of that passage. So we're halfway picking up in the story today where, where Jesus is telling this parable of the seed. But I want you to pay attention to what he's doing in us because everybody in this room is not on the same page, right? We're not where everybody is, okay? I'm at a place in my walk with him. You're at a place with your walk with him. And the beauty of it is, is he meets you where you are. I don't have to hurry up and get where Brent is so Papa will finally speak to me. That makes sense? He's going to invade. That's what he did. That's what we just had Christmas. He invaded the darkness. He invaded the darkest most time, right? 400 years of silence and he enters. They think God has given up, right? Not only does he enter in... Um, this world, and he doesn't do it with fanfare, he enters into a stable, the stinky places, right? 
And all throughout that whole journey, he invades the stinky places, the bad places, the cross, right? The worst of the worst. What we created, we created the cross as execution, as judgment, right? And he even enters into that place. So the beauty is this morning, he's entering and he's meeting you where you are in your darkest, in your lowest, in the meek, in the mire, in all that, that's where he's meeting you, right? But the beauty is he doesn't want to leave you there either. The beauty is he's, he's taking you wherever you are now and he's projecting you to the future for what he has for you. Okay? So let's read Mark chapter 4. And uh, I'm reading out of the Passion Version. Um, if you don't have one of those versions, just get out the Bible app and just go to TPT, The Passion Translation. Um, and you can follow along there. Um, there's some keywords in the Passion Translation that I'm going to point out, and so it'll be good just to highlight them in the Bible app if you have one. If not, you can just uh, take some notes if you need to. But verse 13, remember, we're coming in the middle of the story. Jesus just described this parable. Now he's explaining the parable to them. Then he said to them, If you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? Let me explain. The farmer sows the word as seed, and what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the word. But immediately, Satan appears, snatches it from their hearts, and the seed sown on gravel represents those who hear the word receive it joyfully. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word, they don't endure for long. For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. And the seed sown among thorns represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires of other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. But the seed sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times more than was sown. Then he gives them this other parable. No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under the bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. Then he said to them, Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do more, understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. Now, a few weeks ago, that's where we stopped. I want to add this to it. Jesus also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed. He gets up day after day. And the seed sprouts and grows tall though he knows not how. All by itself it sprouts, and the soil produces a crop. First, the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. Then, when the grain is ripe, he immediately puts the sickle to the grain because harvest time has come. Father, I pray you open our eyes, reveal truth to us, and change us from the inside out. So Mark chapter 4, what is this passage saying? It's basically a half a parable we read, and then we read two more parables. So out of that, what does this passage say about God? What does it say about Papa? What does it say about the Father? 
Don't magically happen, right? As far as the seed getting there, now it does magically grow. So he magically. Story. So uh, it's not something like we have to guess at. Say it's something that's understandable by the hand. Yeah. It's not something like riddle. Like <clears throat> that's good. Like that. Mhm. Well. What does it say about people? to avoid? Is there one? Promise Clay. It says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, I, mean, I think we can hear.
Example to follow. command to obey. Verse 23 says, if you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Alright. So last week, remember, one of the things that we talked about last week, we looked at Mary. Right? All of a sudden, there's Mary and an angel appears. He doesn't give her a hard assignment. He doesn't give her a difficult task, even. He gives her an impossible task. Right? But Mary ushers in a new kingdom. We looked at that. Eve doubted the word, the word of God, and believed the enemy. Her father became a new father. And from that DNA, we got sent into the world. Right? Mary ushers in a new kingdom. Something that's impossible. And she tells the angels, as you have spoken, so be unto me. Did the baby appear the next day? She received the seed of the word. And nine months later, we see the baby. And you think about how hard that was for her to keep that promise because now Joseph, like, woman, I'm going to get rid of you, right? But then the ridicule of the community, right? She could have just said, I can't do this guy. It's too much. Too much, right? Because now all of a sudden, nobody in the community wants to have anything to do with you and you're alone. And when we're alone, we'll do anything that we can so that somebody will at least talk to me. Right? But she stayed faithful because of word. Okay? So, I'm going to pass out some passages real quick. Um, just so you'll take them. Genesis 8.22. Got it. Somebody just agree to stay here in Mark 4, and I'm going to give you a couple passages to read in just a minute. Alright, John 15.7. Um, Hosea 6, 11. Um, Hosea 10, 12. Right. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. James 5, 7. Galatians 6, 6 through 10. And John 12, 23 through 26. All right. So... Go ahead and read Genesis 8.22. I want to give you some background uh, before we dig into what I have for you today. But let's just look at some of this. The way the Bible set up, the way this this is a theme throughout the whole word. Even though we're reading out of Mark 4, we see this theme throughout the entire Bible. Okay? 
Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. Mm. So, as long as what remains? Well, guess what? The earth's not going to be obliterated by Armageddon. Okay? Because where is his kingdom coming? To reign on earth. Right? So, as long as earth remains, there is seed time and what? Harvest. He set it into motion. There's nothing else you can do about that. Right? Except you could choose to either live by it or not. And whether you choose to or not, it's still going to happen. Right? So it is a theme throughout the whole entire Bible. In fact, the word harvest appears 80 times in the Bible. And when I say 80 times, not just the word, it's 80 different occasions. So it's 80 different times that it's being talked about throughout the whole Bible. Harvest time. Okay? So not just a word 80 times, but a theme in the Bible 80 different times from Genesis to Revelation about the word harvest. Another word that I found interesting in, uh, when I was looking up some of these words, the word for the word in the New Testament where we get this word seed from is the Greek word sperma. And I don't have to tell you where that word comes from where we get it. But in that word, it appears 44 times in the New Testament, this word, okay? So it might be important that we kind of see what is this theme going on, why are we trying to get this? Because we have to understand if it's referring to the Word of God, the sperma, we know as adults in this room what that does, right? The seed carrying the DNA of the Father entering into that egg to hide in that place until what happens? The reproduction takes place and it grows. It doesn't happen over. I didn't get this size, you know, by later on. Well, I mean, I probably did. But <laughs> bad example. I didn't get this size. <laughs> but by eating and growing, exercising as I grew up, you know, I got to the age I am now, right? I didn't just happened up at Glenwood that day and looked like this, right? It was a growth. And it started as a seed. Okay? Tearing that DNA, hiding in that place, hibernating in that place, so to speak, until it comes out. Now that, what I just explained to you, is what happens 44 times in the New Testament. That expression, Okay? So 44 times in the New Testament, it's trying to get you to understand how kingdom operates. What did he just say in Mark chapter 4? The kingdom of God happens what way? This way, right? And then throughout the rest of the New Testament, not just Jesus, but all throughout the rest of the New Testament, that what I'm explaining to you, which is the same word that's used here, this sperma word in the Greek, that is used right here in Mark chapter 4, is used throughout the rest of the New Testament to describe the word of God to you. That it comes in, seed form, and it has to be a growth period. And sometimes you may not see it. And sometimes you may not know, did the seed really work? But if you trust in the seed, right, it will flourish, okay? So Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Somebody read that one to us. Who was going to do the Mark verse? All right. So Mark 4, 13, repeat that for us. 
Then he said to them, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? If you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand how kingdom operates. You understand what I'm saying? If we're going to operate in kingdom dynamics and the way the kingdom operates, Jesus says here, if you don't understand this one, then all the rest of them, you're just going to be trying to come up with some stuff. Right? You can come up with some stuff. And it can even make sense to some people. It may even make sense to you. But is it what I'm trying to tell you? Is it what I'm trying to get you to understand how the kingdom operates? And he says, once you understand this one, then you can understand all the other ones. Okay? So, a couple things. Verse 14 and 15 is the next two verses. Go ahead and read those. I want to point out this. Just make sure we understand in this background. Let me explain. The farmer sows the word as seed. And what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the word, but immediately... Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. You say 14 or 15? Mm-hmm. Okay. So think about this. In Jesus' words, this is Jesus speaking. What is the word? Jesus. He is, and it's seed form, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the seed in this parable? The word. The spoken word, right? What did Jesus tell Satan in the wilderness? And it's not lived by bread alone, but by every word that is spoken by Papa, by Abba, spoken by the Father. Okay? The soil represents your what? According to Jesus, according to this passage, according to Jesus, according to Jesus' verse right before that says, if you don't understand this, you don't understand anything. So we have to acknowledge when he's talking about soil, he's talking about what? Your heart. Okay, so anytime we're talking about soil, we're talking about what? Heart. Anytime we're talking about seed, we're talking about what? The word spoken by who? By the Lord. By God, Father, Holy Spirit, their triune being, either of the three that speaks to you those things, the spoken word of God. Okay? Um, Verse 20. But the seed sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times more than what was sown. Alright. What did they do with the seed? According to that verse, what did they do with the seed? They heard it. They heard it. They heard it. And then they what? They received it. They received it. So they had to do what with their heart? They had to Open it, the seed went in, and then it closes. Now, most of us growing up in this kind of area, we don't have to have that explained to us, most of us in this room. But Jesus even explains it later on in John. What happens with a seed when it's buried for it to grow? It's a germinating process. And what happens when it germinates? The seed does what? It dies. So that it can what? Live. Okay? Now it says here in this passage that the person who produces this takes the word in and obviously there's a germinating process. Means it has to hide the word going back to Proverbs. I've hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you, right? It goes into the heart 
and it is closed in. And sometimes it feels like death if we got to believe that word over what our circumstances. If you don't believe me, you should have been there yesterday. <laughs> right? As your mama spoke and said, there were times that I wanted to give up. When I was reading the promises of God, I knew what God had told me. And then, in the middle of the night, Satan would say the word, what? What if? And Miss Lori said, and I wanted to doubt. I wanted to believe the what if statement. Right? I wanted to believe the what if statement. But when she says she believed the word instead of the what if statement, she said there was something that happened on the inside of her, like a holy energy that she could not explain, to keep her going one step in front of the other to keep going. Feels like death to hold on to the seed sometimes. But when you hold on to the seed, life begins to come. You have to trust the process though, okay? So, um, verse 26 to 29. Jesus also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day after day and the seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. But all by itself, it sprouts and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. Then when the seed is the grain is ripe, he immediately puts the sickle to the grain because harvest time has come. Hmm. Alright. Notice the germinating process? Goes into the ground. It stays in the ground, right? It goes into the ground, stays in the ground, which is the ground is the what now? The heart. So the seed is the word. So let's transform this from the farm to your house, to your temple. You're the heart. Got your heart? You let the seed in. Okay? But then it's a growing process. In that germinating process, it's a growing process. And sometimes, notice, if we use an ear of corn, it starts sprouting up, right? We got corn all around here. You should be able to get this in your head and be able to acknowledge that. Sprouts up just a little bit, right? And it continues to grow. Get a bigger stalk, bigger stalk. Then you have a little ear coming out, right? You take it out prematurely, you might have one or two kernels on that thing. The rest of it just looks like crap, right? You ain't gonna wanna eat that. Who wants that? It's not producing anything yet. Even though it looks like it's starting to produce, it's not the full thing, right? It's not the full effect. But when it's ready and then it's prime and ready to be taken in, to harvest in, it's full, right? That one seed turned into many kernels, correct? All right, so if you planted a seed though, go out there, we plant a seed, and every day we go out there, so excited, we planted a seed, right? We trusted that seed, it's gonna bring us a great harvest. We go out there every day and we dig it back up and look at it and see if there's anything happened. Nope, nothing happened today. All right, put it back in, go out there the next day. Hurry up, run out there, dig it back up. You've ruined the whole process. You stopped it, actually. You stopped the process. You stopped it from happening. In fact, not only was the seed stopped, it, it, it's, no, it's null and void. You see what I'm saying? But we do that so often with the seed, with the word, with the promise of God. Is it happening? Is it happening yet? I'm standing on the promise. I'm standing on the promises. Is it happening? Is it happening? Dustin said a key word a while ago when we were reading that. 
What's the farmer at during this process? He is not going out there every day and digging it back up. He may look out and say, boy, that's looking good. But he ain't looking at down here. He's resting in what the Father's doing. Okay? Knowing that the Father is doing way more than one thing. <laughs> the Father's doing many things. Farmer don't even understand how it's working. He just knows it works. And you don't even have to understand how the Father's doing it. You just trust, just like Mary. She didn't have to understand how it was going to happen. She just says, So be unto me as you have spoken. I receive it. Right? She didn't have to have it all figured out. She didn't have to know the whole thing. She trusted in the promise of the Word. Okay? So the seed buries, and then it has to remain there until it's time. Jesus uses a word here. John 15, 7. Did I give that one to somebody? Yeah, I got it. All right. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The word Jesus used with the word here is what? Abide. Means it lives there. It resides there. It doesn't. Again, go out. Dig it up. Is it working? Nope. All right, put it back in. Is it working? Nope. Put it back in. Is it working? Nope. Abide means I put it in there and I'm resting in there. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm trusting and I'm abiding in the Word. And Jesus says, if I abide in you, meaning He is the Word, and my words remain in you. Again, they have to remain in there until the harvest is ready. You see what I'm saying? So the choices, and I said this earlier, uh, when we were talking about that earlier yesterday, what I saw, whatever, I was just watching this, Lord. Um... DNA changes, right? You've been regened. We talk about that all the time. New Testament word there is is the Greek word geneho, means you've been regened. Okay, meaning your old father, the father of lies, that was your father, but your new father has regened you. Okay, meaning I do not believe the lie. Remember, both kingdoms. The kingdom Satan's running here and God's kingdom running here. Remember, Satan can only replicate. He can't create. So he has to replicate whatever the Father has already established. So what he has to do is get you to believe because that's how kingdom operates. You believe the word and then let it roll. Same thing with the father of lies. And that's what you were born with. But... You, when you believe, that's why you must believe. Romans says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. When you believe in your heart, it's taken the seed into the heart. You've opened it up to receive it. Now, all of a sudden, you've been born of a new nature. You have been redeemed. A new DNA, if you will, has been set up, and it's because of your choice. Guess what happens from that day forward? As you continue to make the right choice, following His Word, guess what happens? It continues to grow in the DNA of pop. That's what begins to happen. And it's all because you're choosing that life for you, okay? So, um, before we keep going, play a video. And I show these a couple of times, and we've done Bible studies by them. Um, but the Bible Project, I want you to see this one. It's talking about the tree of life. The choice 
that we have because it's how we this is how we operate from the very beginning. Okay? I want you to see this. And then we'll keep talking. This kind of gives you a visual. You can see visuals, I think, that helps you out there. The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the tree of life. So, what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush, where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of them. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seems that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death 
like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden, which is also a kind of temple with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. So based off of what we're talking about today, what, what, what began to come out to you in that, as you're watching that? What kind of connections start taking place in your head? Think about Peter. You got, <clears throat> we don't really know how many. We know there's 5,000 men, but it doesn't count the women and children in that story. When he feeds the 5,000, right? the loaves and the fish. So there are thousands upon thousands of people there. They're all following him because they want to see the signs and the wonders, right? And then Jesus drops a bomb on them. Are talking about blood and drinking my blood and eating my flesh, and they all just like, bro, you weird. We out, right? And he looks around, and there's no but it's the twelve left, and it's says, a "Hard word." That's right. It's hard word. Turns around, it's like y'all gonna leave too. <laughs> Peter finally gets one right, right? And all the ones he gets wrong, he gets one right. He says, "Where will we go? For your words are life. Your words are life." Like, Peter didn't understand what he was saying at the moment. He just knew that inside something was happening to him that when life was sprouting out in him and he didn't know why, he didn't know how, he couldn't explain the eating the flesh and the blood. He just knew that when Jesus speaks, life starts bubbling up inside of me and where else can I go to get that? And Jesus is that seed. Jesus is the Word. And when we receive that Word, life flows from that place. Now, there is some things that we have to do. We talk about rest and we talk about those things and we talk about, um, you know, but there is a part that you play in this. You can't just sit back and just, I never do anything. I never read my word because it's not about reading word. And so I'm just going, you know, 
There are some things that you have to do. Okay? And we're going to look at that. Hosea 6.11. I think Jim had that. Also, old Judy, he gets sick to abolish for you. When I return, get two feet of my people. Okay? There's appointed what? Harvest. There's an appointed harvest. Remember, I told you how many times, over 80 times, it's talking about the harvest. Okay? Throughout Genesis to Revelation. Talking about a harvest. And every time it's talking about there's a time for seed time, there's a time for harvest. There's an appointed harvest, right? So, some of these things could be analogy for the kingdom of God and how it's growing, okay? And how it's supposed to be spreading. It should be constantly growing. Remember, it was supposed to do that from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. It was to spread until the nations, right? But, it's also, I want you to understand where is kingdom at? Jesus said the kingdom is where? Within you. So there is a kingdom exploding on the inside of you that must grow there first before you start going out this way. Okay? So he's basically your garden, so to speak. Right? Um, and there's a process that's taking place on the inside of you. Okay? That's like I said earlier. He's meeting you where you are. But there is a point of harvest on the inside of you as well. Okay? Hosea ten twelve. Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His, His righteousness on you. Okay? So, break up this ground. What is the ground again? Your heart. You've got to break up the heart. It's got to be ready to receive. Compare that to Mark 4, what we just read today. What did he say about your heart in Mark chapter 4? Verse 25. The ones that open their hearts receive. Some receive up to 30, 60, even a hundred fold. According to how they did what though? Open their hearts the way they received it. Hosea has given us a biblical principle here and a spiritual principle to say you must cultivate the heart. How do we cultivate the heart? One, we get into the Word. Not as a discipline to say, I read my Word for today, but using it as an opportunity to say, He spoke to these people then, He can speak to me the same way. Right? I receive every promise that's ever spoken in here, and knowing that the promises He's going to speak to me right now are going to line up with this right here. And I'm breaking up that fallow ground, one of the versions says. says right? It's just breaking it up. But it's a process that you are opening your heart to, right? The farmer, he does that before he ever plants the seed, right? Mark chapter 4. He's got to go out there and cultivate the ground. You have to go out there and cultivate your heart, ready to receive, open it up and receive, right? Because he says if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of the other ones. So I have to open up my heart, ready to receive it. I can't just say, well, that's a good word. And just walk out the door, right? Like we do most of the time when we go to church. We just, oh, that's a good term, brother. I like that joke you told. What are you, never mind. <laughs> and so then it's about not cultivating my own heart, right? I want somebody else to do it for me. But you have a process. The kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in Glenn. It's up to Glenn when he wakes up in the morning. Is he going to cultivate that heart and say, and wake up with his focus on 
Ah, oh, but this is your day. Right? Just to wake up and say, here we are again in your presence. Right? I'm cultivating that. I'm opening my heart to that. I'm opening my heart ready to receive that. Right? If I don't ever do any of that and get myself in a position to receive, when are you going to receive? You're not. It's going to be choked out by the cares of this world, the pastor says. The cares of this world. You're still getting seed thrown at you. But you're not receiving any of it because the cares of the world are choking it out. So there's a process that you must play in this where you're cultivating your heart. You're getting in a place where you can receive the Word. Does that make sense? Then he says in that same passage in Hosea, after you're cultivating your heart, seek the Lord while He may be found. Seek Him. That reminds me of Revelation chapter 3. What does it say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door of your what? Your heart. Your soul. I'm right here waiting for you to do what with your heart? Open it up. And he says, when you do, bro, I'm going to come in there and we're going to have a good time. Right? King James says, and I will sup with you. Right? That's an intimate term for we're going to have intimate communion with one another. We're going to eat together. We're going to love together. It's going to be so intimate and sweet together. But you had to do something. Got to cultivate and open that heart. Plow it up, if you will. And open it up. Okay? Sometimes that process kind of hurts. Right? In the Old Testament, a person who received instruction from the Lord was called a prophet. Mm-hmm. And he was a prophet to the nation because he was the one who received the word to give to them. Mm-hmm. In the New Covenant, he says we're a kingdom of prophets, priests, Priest and, and kings. kings. So we ought to continue to read the Word of God because we got to know what, what voice we're hearing. Yeah. But there's a voice that's speaking to you and it's His voice, voice that you're a prophet of. That's right. You're a prophet still. He's still speaking today. We're not recording it and binding it in a Bible anymore. But He still speaks to us the that's same right. way He spoke into the Bible. That's so right. every day, you've got to cultivate that as well. Not that's just right. get into the Word and say, speak to, speak to me through that's the Word. That's right. you got to crawl up in His that's lap right. and say, that's right. Speak to me what you want me to do. And that happens to me quite often now, even with conversations with other people, that I, I realize that that conversation prepared me through the Spirit and that person prepared me for the right. encounter I was having later that day That's right. to be able to speak the That's truth right. of God's Word into that person. So... But yes, it's got to line up with this. That's right. But that's not the only word he's given. So your heart's got to right. be open. Your ears got to be in tune. That's right. To get into the presence of God every day for him to speak to you. That's right. That's I heard right. people comment that how hey, you know this is the word from God. You know the sheep, you know the shepherd bull. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That was kind of what he was speaking to me when we were reading this. Is that, you know, we say the word seed, but we got to realize if you go plant beans, the seed is the bean. Yeah. And so then you take it and you use it again the next year. And so that kind of seems like, so in my life, I have to accept the word, but then it has to bear fruit. Okay. And then I get to see, and then I can plant it in someone else. 
you know, and there's a harvest. Yep. Planting all that seed in other people, what God has shown me. That's right. That's right. Um, and just like what we just watched, you have that fruit, right? You have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not plural, like each one is separate from its own. It is the fruit. The whole thing is yours. Love, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. All that is yours, right? It's planted in you in seed form if you choose to pick from it. And when you choose to accept that seed, other people pick that same fruit from you. That's why it's fruit has seed in it, right? And this is vice versa for the other kingdom that Satan's trying to run. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Who multiplies the seed? God. God multiplies the seed. Go back to the farmer. He don't know how it happens. He just trusts that it happens, right? He's at rest in it. He just receives the word. He receives the seed. And he knows it's going to happen because he knows that God's going to multiply the seed. For some 30, some 60, some 100. How are you going to know which one you're going to get? It's going to be according to how you've opened your heart to receive. It's going to multiply. What happened whenever he did feed the feed with the loaves and the fish? Who passed it out? Disciples passed it out. But how did it multiply? It went through his hands to their hands and then to the to the people who needed it. It was multiplied by him. He's the one that multiplies the multiplies it, but he distributes it through you. Kingdom is within you. James 5, 7. Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient and filled with expectation and believe as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and later rain. Mm. Think about the farmer who has to wait patiently. It doesn't just happen overnight. There's a cultivation process. There's a planting process. He has to wait. It says the early and the latter rains. So he couldn't just get out there and cultivate the ground when it was too soggy. He had to wait till just the right time to go cultivate and to plant. Then he had to wait for the latter rains to give it some good, good nourishment for that soil and a good place. So he had to get nourishment for that heart, right? That's why it's good to surround ourselves every week like this that we're doing, that we hear from one another because we're providing each other the latter rain, the rain that that crop needs, the rain that that seed needs to help that thing to grow and to process into fulfillment. Okay, That's why it's important that we need one another to do that kind of stuff. Okay, Galatians 6, 6 through 10. And those who are taught the word must share all good things with their teacher. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you plant. If you plant the corrupt seed of self-life into this natural realm, then you expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds, for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. I've written this letter to you with my own handwriting. See how large I have made these letters? All those, all 
those who insist that you be circumcised are recruiting you so that they can boast in their own achievements. They seek to avoid the persecution that comes with preaching the liberating message of the cross of Messiah. Not even those who are circumcised keep every detail of the written law, yet they push you to be circumcised so that you can boast that you have become like them. Due season. There's some key words in this passage. Due season, appointed time, goes back to what did we read at the very beginning in Genesis? As long as the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest. There is appointed times, right? You can miss the appointed time. Did you know that? You can miss it. What about Zechariah? To make sure Zechariah did not mess up the appointed time of John the Baptist, what did they do to his mouth? Because he could not speak against. They didn't want him to speak against what was about to take place. You see what I'm saying? We can screw it up. Okay? But we have a faithful God. Right? That even when we do screw up, He can still get us back in the right order. Right? So there's a point in time. If, this passage says though, if, there's a key word, which is very small, if we do not give up. You will reap the appointed time if you do not give up. Right? Well, if your mind would have gave up. Would yesterday have happened? No. It wouldn't have happened yesterday. We'd still be struggling, still trying to get it, you know, still praying, still believing, right? And then we grow weary and we give up. And then there's nothing to show for it, right? Just a bunch of heartache. And that's it. your mom believed in point in time. Right? Because he told me many times. I'm just believing. Right? God didn't tell her the date or the hour it would be done. She just knew that point in time was coming. Right? So it's a beautiful, beautiful. Um, and so, if we do not give up, we will reap the harvest. Now, John chapter 12 and we're going to wrap this up. John 12, 23-26. He replied to them, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. And all because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself in this true life but the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to, to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me, and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Hmm. Compares him to the sea, just like we watched on the video. Right? It goes down into the earth, right? Three days later, he rises, right, with new life. He goes down. Unless a kernel of wheat, it says, goes down and dies, it cannot do the germinating process to come out and live again, okay? So when we take that, this is how he set up the kingdom from the very beginning, and now we see it spiritually speaking. We take from him, right? He is the one who has eternal life. He is the one who with his word speaks life and brings life because he is the word. And as we receive him, sometimes it's very painful, as I said earlier, because if we got to take it in us, the things around us, right, 
may be very painful. Two years ago, whenever God was telling me to start something new and do something and break away from everything that I'd ever known, I had nothing else except I knew what He told me. I had nothing else around me to point to me to say, yep, this all going to work out. And at this day, this is going to happen. And this day is going to happen. I had nothing but this is what I want you to do at this moment. That's all I have. What I want you to do at this moment. I didn't have anything else. And when I stepped away, it felt like death. It felt like death. Because it was everything I ever know. Everything I ever know. And for weeks, I would just constantly wake up and say, God, I don't understand. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know what you told me. And sometimes I had to ask him. Sometimes I'd say, you're going to have to show me something. <laughs> Give me confirmation at least, right? Because I wanted to dig that thing up and look at it. Is it working? Nope. <laughs> right? God, give me confirmation. And guess what? He started giving me confirmation. Could look out in the field and see a little sprout here, a little sprout there. Right? And so he, he that is like death. Paul explains, basically, when he explains that God is a consuming fire. God is love. God is a consuming fire. So in other words, he says that some of us will enter into heaven only by basically the skin of our teeth. The things that we are doing, the things that we are preparing our heart for here, it has to pass through the fire, the consuming fire of love. And anything that's not of love's kind will be burned out. You see what I'm saying? It is a consuming fire of He is love. So anything that's not of love's kind is going to be purified through the fire. And so as we, that's a dying process. When I choose, when we choose in the middle of the night, when it says, what if, whenever Satan says, what if, and I still choose and it hurts because I'm choosing love and I'm choosing life over what my circumstances says and what I want to believe about somebody else. Instead, I choose life in that moment. It's hurting. And it's a burning of consuming fire over my life, but there's a purification that takes place. And what's of love's kind is taking a new step in, in, in realigning my DNA into a new being. But it's also how the kingdom operates, that process that's taking place in me, that new DNA that is being set up is going to go from the next generation down. So my highest level and my highest peak on this side of eternity is going to be their lowest so that they can step up to the new level too. And DNA is transitioning from one generation to the next because of choosing love's kind. So if it's not choosing from love's kind, it can't pass through the fire. There's no death that takes place. There's no germinating that takes place so that life can grow from that place. Does that make sense? So this happens on the inside of me. This is how the kingdom operates in me. And once you understand that, you'll understand how it's operating around you. But first, you've got to allow it to take the process in you. You see what I'm saying? Otherwise, you're just multiplying not sons and daughters. <laughs> you're just multiplying religion. And they've got enough of that in this world. So close your eyes. I'm going to lead you through. Just a little reflection time.
Picture it as if you're walking up to the gates. It's your time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come running out to greet you. And what do you hear them say? Listen. I see smiles, I see laughter. See joy. See dancing. I hear my beloved. I hear you are my joy. Things that you're hearing are the things that the Father is speaking over you today. He invited you into the great dance of perichoresis where fathers, Son, and Holy Spirit are face to face to face in communion with one another, and there you are in their midst face to face to face. Where there is completeness, where there is wholeness, an abounding love. We know that from His Word. But to live from that place, to live from experiencing this, is according to how you've opened your heart and received that Word. Some in this room will experience it 30-fold. You'll know it just enough to get you to heaven. God doesn't speak to me I just believe this to get my ticket. Some of you in the room will believe it 60-fold. You believe it. But sometimes the world just makes you doubt it. And you go back and forth, back and forth. See some leaps of faith, then back, leaps of faith. And some of you just receive the word for what it says, no matter your circumstances. Walking through the fire. Everything of love kind comes with you and you receive it a hundredfold. For you realize the kingdom is within you and the kingdom flows from you. And you're rising up and taking your place as sons, as Paul says. Father, I thank you for the group in this room today. Father, I pray that you draw them into your presence like never before. I pray even in their sleep, every night you encounter them in their sleep. Face-to-face encounters to know you intimately. To know you beyond mere words on a page. To not be like the Pharisees who searched the Scriptures and knew the Scriptures but never found you. 
Oh, but they would know you intimately every day. Lead them in the path of righteousness for your name's sake to all life. That they cultivate their hearts, that they wake up in the morning from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. Cultivating an atmosphere. Cultivating an atmosphere of worship, of intimacy, of wanting to know you more, of desiring you more. And that 2021, despite the circumstances this world goes through, that they walk in complete confidence in your love, complete confidence in your word. Abiding in you and you in them. And that they carry the answer to the world around.